Uh, we're on page two, and we're looking today on the practical helps of developing a spiritual discipline. I told you last week as we worked our way through John 15, 1 through 12, actually, and we looked at the abiding in Christ and his words abiding in us, and we walked through that in detail, um, that we would now uh, enter into a very practical um, portion. What you have in front of you is not prescriptive, so I want to make sure that um, that's clear to you. I have basically written out how I spend um, an hour alone with the Lord. Doesn't mean you have to do it that way, but um, it's helpful to have a pattern of how somebody else does it. And um, I'm going to go through a a few things as we go through uh, this, but it's basically written out for you my my theory and my my habits, and um, and so that's what we're going to walk through today. But as we walk through these, um, please feel free to ask questions, and I'm interested in what you, what do you do? The, the important thing isn't how well there is an importance on how we do things, but that that this is being accomplished in our our lives. We live in a unstable world. Remember, that's what we looked at. We lived in an unstable world, a fallen world, and a falling world. And while we've just had a little bit of grace with that Supreme Court ruling, we have a culture that is absolutely incensed over the fact that there has been a law removed from the books that made it okay to kill babies. Who can even fathom that? Who who, who can fathom that there would be anybody upset about that? And, and in fact, if they even studied it, actually every state could vote to go ahead and kill babies. So, so that's, that, that's still a, a possibility, which makes it all the more important that believers um, are, are stable and, and, and don't let culture form their thinking, but let the scriptures form their thinking. We live in a culture that thinks it's perfectly normal to be whatever you want to be. That's how it started. I mean, way back when I was growing up, I can remember people saying, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, then I say, be a bird and jump off a building. I mean, you can't be whatever you want to be. Do you understand that? You'll be what God made you to be. And that makes, I'm preaching to the choir here. You say amen, but that's not what the culture says. You want to be a horse, you just be a horse. You know, if you want to be a, a, a man and you're a woman, you can just, Change everything and it changes. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And, and my point is, is that there has to be a stability because can you see we are heading downhill? And it's going to get harder and harder and harder for you and for your children and for your grandchildren. So we have to be hooked to the rock. We have to be fastened tight. And so this is essential And so that's why I want to walk through this. And my goal at the end isn't that you do what I do. My goal is at the end is that you know what you're doing and you will be attached to the rock too. And so that's that's the reason for this. So I I broke it down because I'm a preacher, I guess, into um, it's alliterated to to help you. So first of all, I say that there has to be the proper priority. You've got to understand the absolute necessity of this and so with that priority, you have to ask yourself the question, when, how much, and how often? And when we speak of this, we're talking about the Bible intake, which was page one. All of the 
things that are on page one. That's what's in Bible intake. This is what the scriptures, we, we went over them last week, but we're to hear the word of God, we're to read the word of God, we're to study the word of God, we're to treasure and memorize the word of God, we're to lay it up into store, we're to meditate on the word of God, and we're to share God's word. This is what believers do, and it's all captured in Bible intake. So how exactly, in a systematic way, do we do that in our lives? It's very, very important that we have some kind of a system and some kind of accountability to happen. So what is the proper priority? I make a case for you that it's first thing. First thing in the morning is the best way. It's a case. That's all it is. It's, it's not a precept. Um, I took as a life verse, Judy and I, many, many years ago, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As you know, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And the next verse tells you, don't be anxious about tomorrow. And, and most of us are living about the things we're afraid of tomorrow because we aren't anchored first to Christ today. And so if you just take those two verses, that ought to be enough to convince you to anchor yourself every single day in the immutable God, in his word. If you were to look at um, the norms, the biblical norms, while it isn't prescriptive, I just put some down there for you. In Genesis 3.8, I don't care if you follow along in these or not, but in Genesis 3.8 it says something very interesting. And I'm not even going to try to explain it to you today if I understood it, and I don't understand it. So I'm telling you that right front. It says that, that God worked with, walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Well, I'm not exactly sure what that means, being honest with you. Does that mean morning? Does that mean evening? Um, I mean, this is uh, before the fall. Um, all right? So um, th there isn't seasons like we know it. Uh, I, I, all of that. We, we have the six days of creation, and then we have, um, we have walking in the cool of the day. I don't know what it means relative to time, but I do know this. There was a specific time that God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. And I have a feeling that they didn't miss that appointment. And the one day they did miss it, God says, Adam, where out thou? I just want you to see the point. God in his original creation before the fall spent time with Adam and Eve. God wants to spend time with you every single day, in the cool of the day, whatever that means. I'm sure it means when you're not out tending the earth. I'm supposed to put the earth and subdue it. So at some point, they weren't out subduing the earth. They'd set time aside to walk with God. We should set time aside to walk with God. Abraham in Genesis 19.27 um, talks about rising up early in the morning. And if you go through the various patriarchs uh, and the prophets, you'll see that they had a pattern or a routine of their life of first thing in the morning. None of it's prescriptive. I'm just saying it may not be prescriptive, but if it was okay for Moses, if it was okay for Abraham, if it was okay for Elijah, and if it was okay for the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe I ought to really weigh out um, whether that would be a good idea for me. So, again, not prescriptive, but I'm suggesting uh, that. Job, 
as we know. Job 1.5 is very, very clear. It's what he did first thing in the morning. And uh, look at Psalm 5. We've been going through Psalms. We have not actually preached through Psalm 5, but look at Psalm 5. I don't think you can get much clearer in this relative to what David's routine or David's habit was. Dave, Psalm 5, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groanings. Heed the sound of my cry for my help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. Look at verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch or eagerly await for what God's going to do. Uh, over and over again, you'll see that in the Psalms. Turn to Mark chapter 1. To me, this has always been a very profound verse. Mark one thirty-five. If you were to take time to read the verses uh, up to verse 35, you would see how busy Jesus was. You would see how long his day was. Uh, you would see that he is 100% God. We know that, right? We also know he's 100% man. Now, he's man without sin, but he's not man without being tired. He's not man without needing sleep. All the infirmities and all the temptations that you and I face, he faced as a man. He got tired like we did. He got hungry like we do. He bled like we do. As perfect man, but as man. An example and then a substitute. And so here he is. I'm not going to read all the passages. I just want you to see verse 35. He is so busy. He's got so much to do. He cannot not pray. Look what he says. In the morning, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house. Now think about that. He got up and he left the house. Why would he do that? Well, he didn't own his own house. The birds have nests and the foxes have a den, but the Son of Man has what? No place to lay his head. He didn't have a house. Wherever he was staying, it was somebody's hospitality. He doesn't have a place that's convenient to have his time alone with God. He's got other people, probably even um, a single room in the house um, that's divided by petitions or something, but not, not walls and doors and windows like you and I think of. And if he wanted to get alone with God, he had to go someplace else. And that's what's happening here. Gets up early before everybody else does. And he leaves the house. Why? So he can be alone. So he can have a concentrated, focused time, just like Adam and Eve were with God in the cool of the day. And he says, he went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And I love verse 36, because you young moms probably find this all the time. There he is praying. I mean, you know, you, he left the house so he could be alone. And um, I've had so many moms tell me, I went to the bathroom and shut the door so I could just be alone. And the little kids 
find you and start beating on the door. Well, the disciples show up. They find them on the mountain. And the next, next thing you know, here are the disciples interrupting a meeting between God the Father and God the Son. Can you imagine that? But in his humanity, he ministered to the needs of those people. But that, that's his priority. You can, you can just see it there. It's just so clear. And so we have to establish... The, the priority. So I would ask the question, what is your planned time along with the Lord? You know, what is that time? And then how much is that time? Uh, it's all so, so critical. Somewhere around 40 years ago, after reading the passages further on in Mark, look at Mark 14, I decided, again, not prescriptive at all. This doesn't make me more spiritual than anybody in here. But I'm telling you, it was a blessing to me because for more than 40 years now, I have missed occasionally, but I'm telling you it's occasionally, you might be able to count it on a couple of hands of how many times I've not spent an hour a day with the Lord. And sowing and reaping, we looked at sowing and reaping. When you sow into your life for 40 years, an hour a day, not Larry. It isn't Larry. It's the Spirit of God and the Word of God that produces fruit. Do you see that? Do you understand that? And, and it, he'll do that with every life because the Spirit is the same. The Word is the same. It's, it's, it's putting it in. It's the discipline of doing it. And so I, I made that decision. And that decision's been tough. My family has watched me with that decision. There have been times when I've had to work 12 or 13 or 14 hours a, a, a day or all, all night, and I, I still did the hour. If my work demanded me to be there, except, do you know? Okay, hang on. But I'm saying this not for me. Well, I don't know my heart. Maybe I am saying it for me, and God forbid if I am. But I'm trying to bring the conviction of God to you. I go to Grace and Granite at 6 on Tuesday mornings during the year. And that means on Tuesdays I get up at 4.30 so I can still have an hour alone with God before Grace and Granite. There's never a Sunday that I'm not up before 5 a.m. Because, yes, I'm going to speak to you, but before I speak to you, I need to talk to God. But I'm not any different than all of you. Your need is as great, and perhaps greater. I don't know. And, and, and so make a commitment to something. If it's not in the morning, then it's at night. Make a commitment, but you won't hit a target if you don't know what the target is. My dad would always say to me, Larry, if you don't set a goal, you'll always, excuse me, you'll never, you'll, you'll, I don't remember what my dad used to say, but it was really good. And it had something to do with all that. But, but do you know what your target is? Do you know when do you plan to meet with God? And do you know where does it fit? There's 480 hours a week. You're doing it every other day. You're doing it every day. You're going to do some in the morning, some at night. You're going to do some at lunch. Uh, how are you going to do it? Because, listen, all the things on page one, they all need to be done. They are prescriptive. Do You see, page one is prescriptive. We are to hear the word of God. We are to meditate day and night. It's prescriptive. That isn't a choice. We're to do it. We're to treasure up God's word. We're to go and make disciples with God's word. Those things are prescriptive. The how, how we, we, we take it in, that's left up to us. 
into every situation. So very, very uh, important that we know. So I chose, because of Mark 14, an hour a day. And that's because in Mark 14, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember. And at the Garden of Gethsemane, he took Peter and John and James with him a little bit further off into the garden. And there prayed, and he said to them, but Peter particularly, pray, because the hour of temptation is coming. Let me personalize that for you. We've had a brief reprieve, but if you can't figure it out, the hour of temptation is coming upon this nation. Judgment is coming. It's already coming in like a flood. It's coming. The hour of temptation is coming. And Jesus said to Peter and the others after he came back in agony for an hour, he said to them, I'm going to read in verse 37, and he came to them and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Now, Jesus knew the answer to that, right? He's, he's saying that for Peter's information. In other words, he's saying, what are you doing sleeping? I just told you the hour of temptation is coming. Could you not keep watch for one hour? Could, couldn't you pray knowing what you're going to face? He wanted to say the next thing. And this is where we are. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what drove me to take the hour. You've been there. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. I wanted to have victory. I wanted to share my testimony. I didn't want to get angry at the kids. Uh, The list is endless. My spirit was willing, but when I go to pillow my head that night, I have a day full of regrets because my flesh was weak. This is the only answer. This is the only answer. It's, it's to dedicate yourself to treasuring up God's word day and night in your heart. And, and here, um, Jesus goes through this actually three times. And then, okay, up, it's enough. Your time's over. And then one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in verse 50 of Mark 14. And it says, and they all left him and fled. You see, if you won't dedicate yourself to time, you'll flee. Your hour of temptation. You won't be filled with the Spirit. You won't be gentle. You'll be angry. You won't speak a word for Christ. You'll deny him. You know, whatever the case is, you, you won't. You'll regret it. You're a believer. You want to, but you won't. Because the temptation will be too great, and God has given you his spirit and his word that it might empower you to have victory, but you cannot live in victory without it. Go back to John 15 and last week. It's essential. There isn't any other way. There isn't plan B, C, D. There isn't some other way. That's why I'm so passionate about this for you, because every person in here desperately needs that. 
And so I'm not saying it has to be an hour. This isn't a prescriptive. I just, I took that and said, well, Peter didn't grab a hold of that, and he failed. The other disciples grabbed, didn't grab a hold of it. They didn't fail, and I keep failing every day. I'm tired of laying my head down every night with the regrets. Now, ever since I started doing this, I lay my head down every night and I never have a regret, right? No, 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 no. Of course I still fail. Of course I still have to confess my sins. But I can say over 40 years, I see what God has done. And when I see the man that I used to be, I am absolutely amazed that I'm standing here speaking to you today, and that's all grace. But there was a spiritual discipline empowered by the Spirit where I committed to something. And you commit to something, and God will do something with what you've committed. Does that make sense? So there, there has to be a priority to it. So if I were to go up and down the rows, and maybe you'd like to volunteer, when do you meet with God, and about how much time have you set aside, and how often do you do it? Who, who would be willing, from an accountability standpoint, there's accountability. You all can come to me anytime you want to and say to me, Pastor Brody, this morning, did you spend an hour alone with God? I open myself up to that. I already have one person in here that I opened them up to something relative to do with exercise, and they, they keep holding me accountable, and I think to myself, what was I doing telling her that? Miss Tina. <laughs> Anyone at all? Do you have a regular time that you commit to, to the Lord? Claude? Right. Amen. So I'll do that and then uh, have the prayer list from the class and also from uh, sit out on Sunday morning at the church and, and go through that. You know, so that's, that's the schedule that I would use. Amen. Okay, so you take, and you vary. You vary what you do. I, I definitely think that vary. That's, that's why there's so much stuff putting down here and why I, I think the hour is a good target because there's, there's so much that one should do. You need to read, but you also need to study. Well, how do you do all that if you've committed to 10 minutes a day? I mean, it's just, it's, it's really very difficult. There needs to be a proper place. And what I mean by a proper place, that, that place that becomes special to you, um, that's practical, it's accessible, but you, you have it set where you can, you can meet with God. 
and that changes through the years and as you move to different places. But where where is the where is the the place? Um, for years, when the children were younger, and um, we were in a, in a family way in that way, wherever I did my devotions, the the family knew, and the Bible would sit there, and my journal would sit there, and my family knew that they could come and read my journal, so I could shepherd them that way. I was also accountable to them in that way, and oftentimes, as a result of that, I still go back and and fond to look and find where my wife or my daughter or my son left me a note. Scott probably drove me a picture of a truck, um, but well, where they put something in your journal. But um, it's, it's a great way, men, to be able to communicate with your family and, and let them see what you're doing. So uh, a proper place. And then proper parchments. In other words, the tools for the task. And... Um, so I just put down a whole number of things there, and I'd be interested next week, maybe uh, we pick up here and you discuss that with me, but what are the tools that you use? What are is available to you? I know when we started the, um, this series on Psalms, um, I bought a, a number of um, non-technical, it doesn't mean that there's nothing technical in them, but they're not basically the Hebrew language, very technical commentaries. They're, they're more um, everyday commentaries. And the Holdman is one of the ones that I told you about. And I love to read the psalm of the day and work my way through the psalms. I, I read through the psalms several times a year. Um, and it's just great to be able to take and, and read a psalm and then open the commentary and rather than the commentary being like the Treasury of David that Spurgeon wrote, which is wonderful, um, but it's, you know, some psalms are like 40 pages long of little print, you know. Well, that's, that's more than I can, um, that I'm looking to even begin to try to digest unless I'm going to preach on that psalm. But I just want a little something from the morning. The Holman Bible commentary is great. Open it up. It's got the theme of the psalm right there. It's got the quick outline. It's got a few quotes that would uh, that would encourage you in in that area, and it, it's got the main uh, breakdown, and it, and it's on a page or two, and uh, and so what what are the different things that you use to help you be effective in that time? Uh, I'd like to I'd like to hear from you on that, and then the proper preparation and the proper plans and the proper perspective. And so we'll try to cover all of that next week. I'd love to have you read through that this week. Um, and here's, here's what I would like. If right now you don't have a specific time that you've committed to, you go home this week and you, you think about and at least commit it to yourself. Start there. Start with something. If it's just whenever you can, catch when you can, um, it's not going to happen. Commit to something, whatever it is. And then if, if the Lord would grant you that grace, share it with somebody. Ask them to pray for you. Maybe you don't even ask them to hold you accountable. Would you just, would you just pray for me? I'm starting something new. And uh, pray that God would give me um, help in that, in, in that area. I'd like to develop something. Maybe you've started a lot of times and you, just, you, you fall away and you're discouraged. 
Start again. Um, you know, and I, I've had so many people sit down with me and, and they wanted to do it at night. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it at night. Matter of fact, this is what I say to night people. That's how Genesis starts. The evening and the morning of the first day. The evening and the morning of the second day. Uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, going to bed. It's everything wonderful about having the word fresh in your heart as you go to bed because that's just when you spent time. But if you're going to do that, you need to, you need to make sure that you can be awake doing it. Right? I mean, you need to, you need to set the time. Um, it's probably not going to work if you go to bed at 11 o'clock and you've been up since 5 a.m. Uh, you know, so, I mean, e even if you're going to do that, there has to be a reasonableness that you can actually do it. We have to sleep. Hello? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're kidding yourself if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to read something quick before I go to bed. Well, that's what you do. You, you, you read something as lengthy as Psalm 23 and you only get through the first three verses and you fall asleep. And, and you think that's going to carry you through your hour of temptation? It isn't. It isn't. But God has given us what will carry us through if we'll simply avail ourselves. So I get passionate. I was probably overpassionate. I, I probably exhorted you heavier than I should have, so forgive me for that. But um, I really, I'm desperate. Everybody here, find a time. Commit to a time. Share that time with somebody else and begin. And if you're not sure how to do that, make an appointment to see me. I'd love to sit down and, and help you to do that successfully. So, Father, I pray that the words that have been spoken today that were spirit and life and truth, you would burn in people's hearts and those things that were not, then um, you would um, wipe that from their memory and uh, forgive me. Uh, Lord, for the service that's ahead, I pray for your blessing upon that. Give us ears to hear. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.